Can we read a few verses from Paul's letter to the Galatians? Epistle to the Galatians, chapter 4, page 1406 in my Bible, chapter 4, and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Come of a woman, come under law, that he might redeem those under law that we might receive sonship. But because ye are sons, God has sent out the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so thou art no longer bondman, but son. But if son, heir also through God. I think those verses cover an enormous scope. Mm. But what they tell us is that the coming of Jesus into this world was the act of God to send him. And he sent him that we might receive some of the benefits listed there. How thankful we can be that someone has met up as uh, our need and liability. The other day I received a little package of calendars and literature for the coming year. And included was a tract which had an interesting little illustrative story in it. I don't know whether any of you others have received it. But it told a story like this. Somebody came out of the shop into the supermarket car park. Got into into the car. Drove away. And in the process of driving off. Bumped into a neighbouring car and damaged it. And stopped. Got out and looked at what had been done. And the owner of the damaged car obviously wasn't just there, so he appeared to drive off. Well, shortly afterwards, the true owner of the car came out and was horrified to find the car damaged. Who's done that? Another person nearby said, oh, I saw what happened. Somebody's driven into your car, but don't worry too much, he left a note on the windscreen. So the person went eagerly to the windscreen, hoping to find the name and address of who caused the damage. Picked up a piece of paper, all it said was, sorry, nothing else. Well, of course, the car was furious at that. Now what was going, who was going to pay to put right this damage? It wasn't his fault. The person that had watched it said, well, I saw him put the note on the car. I thought he'd have left his name and address. No, he gone. So, who was going to pay? It's just a little illustration, you know, of what our sinful life has done before God. Mm. It's done irreparable eternal damage that condemns us to death and to hell. And who is going to repair, who's going to pay for our redemption? How is that going to ever be put right? Who can do it? Well, these verses, I think, cover the scope of how it has been made. Mm. We couldn't pay it. The debt that we've incurred, the damage that we've done to our souls in, as sinners, we could never repair. But God has made it. And this verse it encapsulates so much. It says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Mm. God had his timetable, you know. When Jesus came, that was no accident of history. 
it was all foretold mm. in the scriptures it was the right time many things were foretold in God's calendar if you go back to the book of Genesis when God spoke to Abraham he told him then that his people would his, his seed would be as the sand of the sea shore but that they would spend 400 years in a foreign land and that time was exactly right they were there for just over 400 years and then God came in at that right time as he said he would and delivered them from the bondage of Egypt <coughs> much later in Israel's history he foretold that because of their sinfulness and waywardness they would be taken captive by the Babylonians and that they would be in captive for 70 years and they were and at the end of the 70 years he led some of them under Ezra and Nehemiah back into the land you see all down the history of things in the scriptures God's ordering is there all the way through and so the time arrived when other prophecies were to be fulfilled and God sent forth his son now how was that to take place was he to come as, with a great angelic host and float down from heaven in a blaze of glory and sweep up things here on earth in all the chaos that man had brought in that would have been very intimidating wouldn't it who would have dared to approach him if he'd come in a blaze of glory like that but it says here, God sent forth his son, come of a woman. Think of that, Jesus, born into this world as a babe. Nothing accidental about that. You read Isaiah chapter 7, and you'll find it was foretold. Sorry, I should have said chapter... Yes, chapter 7, that's right. It says there, Therefore will the Lord himself give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, and shall bring forth a son, and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew tells us of that fulfilment, doesn't he? And tells us that one of the names of Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, come of woman. Come that lowly way. <coughs> Who would be afraid of a babe? The wise men, the shepherds, they were able to come when they pay their homage. No fear in that. Think of Jesus drawing near to us in such a lowly way. And we think of him growing up, being obedient to his parents, a perfect life before God. And we find him preaching, preaching salvation to captives' deliverance, to the blind sight. You get that, don't you, in Luke chapter 4. 
there he was in Nazareth in the place where he'd grown up preaching Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to preach to captives deliverance and to the blind sight to send forth the crush delivered to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. <coughs> and how often it's been pointed out that that is a quotation from the Old Testament that goes on to speak of judgment but the Lord stopped before he came to the words of judgment. He came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And we're told, aren't we, in the New Testament, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. What a blessing, what a, what a privileged time we live in to know the preaching of God's glad tidings concerning his Son. So there he was, come of a woman, grown up in Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene I said can any good thing come out of Nazareth well yes certainly something came out of Nazareth wonderful the life and the works and the teaching of Jesus says come under law God had given the law hadn't he if we had if mankind had been able to keep God's law he would have entered into true life. But as sinners, none of us, none of us has ever kept God's law in his perfection. It's just one exception. That's Jesus himself. He could say, couldn't he, in the beginning of John's Gospel we read it, he came not to make void the law, but to fulfil it. How much was encompassed in that? wasn't just that he kept the Ten Commandments was it, although I'm sure he did but everything in the law of Moses, all the ceremonial sacrifices and things that all pointed to the coming of Christ he gave fullness to them all if it was a burnt offering that the law of Moses would have been talking about well we find when we come to the New Testament that Jesus by the eternal spirit offered himself spotless to God that was a perfect offering to God one on behalf of you and me how thankful we can be that God has received a perfect offering to pay the debt of my sin oh the perfection of Jesus but he came under law he fulfilled it even Mary and Joseph, when he was just eight days old, went up to Jerusalem and offered the sacrifice that the law of Moses demanded. Yes, everything was fulfilled. It pointed forward to the sacrifice of Jesus himself. So why did he come this way? Well, it says here that he might redeem those under law. Well, you might say, I'm not a Jew, I wasn't under Jewish law. No, but we are under the laws of God and we've broken his commandments. Mm. We've none of us 
fulfilled what's due to us, what's due of us before God. We are all sinners. All we like sheep have gone astray, gone our own way. And as such, we need somebody to pay our debt. I'm sure we understand redemption. If we've had a mortgage, we know what it's like if we get to the point where it's all fully paid off. The debt that we owe has been paid off and redeemed. But there's another aspect to it, which is, I don't know whether I've ever told the story here, I have told it sometimes in the preaching, that illustrates the idea of redemption. The story goes that a boy made a model yacht, worked on it very hard, made a beautiful model, took it down to the waterway to sail it. A sudden gust of wind caught the sail and snatched it out of his hand. He lost the string that was attached to it and it floated away. He lost his boat that he had made. It was truly his because he'd made it, but he lost it. A few days later, passing the shop in the town, he saw his boat in there for sale. So he went in and said to the man, Excuse me, sir, but that's my boat. I lost it the other day. Can I have it back, please? Oh, he said, said the shopkeeper, If you want it, Sonny, um, you'll have to pay for it. So he was so uh, pleased to see it again. He went home and got all his pocket money and went back and bought the boat back and said, Now you are doubly mine. I made you and I bought you. And that's how the believer in Jesus is, you know. We are God's creation. We're God's creatures. And we've got lost in our sin and waywardness. And through Christ and his sacrificial death for us, he's brought us back to himself. What a blessed thing. So it says, Come of a woman, come under law, that he might redeem those under law. Are you redeemed? Have you said, yes, Jesus died for me. Jesus paid the redemption price of my sinnership. He's redeemed me to God. He's brought me back to God in perfect righteousness, in all the worth of himself. If anyone be in Christ, God says, he's a new creation, a new creature. There's a new beginning to the believer in Jesus. God's work in new birth, redemption, how you have, different ways we speak of God's work in the soul. But it comes to us by faith, faith in Christ. But it's the work of God's Spirit that gives us that faith. Oh, are we all, are we all assured that we've got that saving faith in Christ that we can say we belong to the company of the redeemed. And then it goes on that we might receive sonship. Well, now, what do we say about that? The 
Sonship in scripture is presented as one, as one of God's great blessings for us. If we look at the world around us, it, it implies a right to inheritance. If we are a son in a family, we can expect to inherit something. I suppose supremely, we've seen it recently with King Charles. All the rights and privileges of the monarchy have become his because he's son of the monarch. Well, have you ever thought of yourself as a believer in Jesus, being brought into the position of a son well, perhaps we should even say a daughter of God, because if we look at Corinthians, we must include the lady folk in these blessings, you know. It's not just for the men, but it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Wherefore, he's exhorting believers to come out from the wickedness of the world. He says, Wherefore, come out from the midst of them, and be separated, saith the Lord. Touch not what is unclean. And I will receive you, and I will be to you for a father, and ye shall be to me for sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So we're all included, but Scripture presents it as the idea of sonship. Because Jesus, of course, was the supreme, supremely the Son of God. And Scripture speaks of us as being joint heirs with Christ, being made sons like him. What's entailed in that, I think, is enormous. That from what we are as failing, weak creatures here, when we're saved for eternity, for all eternity, we receive blessings that will sustain us through eternity in a manner that we could never have imagined bar from what the Spirit of God reveals to us. Scripture makes the point that we are brought, one of the blessings that we're brought to, there's several blessings listed in the end of Hebrews official. One of them is that we're brought to the assembly of the firstborn one. And firstborn ones, of course, have the right of inheritance. But if you go back into the Old Testament, you'll find again, under the law of Moses, I think you'll find it in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21, that the firstborn was to have a double portion. Well, you might say, that's all right if you are a firstborn, but for the believer, we are all brought to the company of the firstborn ones. I think what that's, what that's teaching us is that in God's blessings for us, we are all to have the double portion. We're to be supremely blessed as those that are blessed in Christ. That we might receive sonship. I suppose another way of understanding that we see in the parable that the Lord Jesus told in Luke 15, don't we? where the prodigal son came back from in repentance for his waywardness. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and found the Father's forgiveness. Found that he was embraced. He was given the best robe. The rags that he once had to exist in discarded. The best robe put on him. A ring on his finger. Sing, symbol of his place as a son. Sandals on his feet. Symbols of a place as a son. Not as a servant. As a son. God's blessings for us uh, the fullness of his generous heart sonship I think is meant to convey something of that you think of that when when the Lord comes to us all all believers will be caught up as sons of God their bodies of of humiliation that we've had here will be translated into bodies of glory like unto the Lord's body of glory What is sown in weakness will be raised in power. What is sown in immortality, what is sown in mortality will be raised in immortality. What the believer in Jesus looks forward to is supreme blessings for all eternity. And they're brought to us by the coming of Jesus. when we think of all that he has expended to bring this to pass it takes us to his sufferings doesn't it that price of redemption what was the price of our redemption Peter tells us it was the price of his precious blood he says you're not redeemed with silver or gold corruptible things we're redeemed by precious blood as of a lamb without blemish the blood of Christ so we look at the cross and we see Jesus there bearing my sins bearing your sins in his body on the tree that we might be redeemed that we might receive sonship these blessings come to us because of what he endured for us well it's a marvellous thing isn't it that we can be (coughs) able to look forward to receiving these blessings in their fullness when the Lord comes again but in the meantime it says because ye are sons yes God looks at those who put their faith in Christ he looks upon them already as blessed of him you are sons if you are a believer in Jesus you are a son of God and God gives you his Holy Spirit whereby even now we are able to praise and worship God say God is our Father the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is our God and Father and so God gives us his spirit that we're able to worship God speak to him as our Father our own Father so thou art no longer bonded but if son but son and if son heir also through God I don't know quite what I can say about that but Romans speak to us as being joint heirs with Christ. Now we can understand that God has crowned the Lord Jesus with glory and honour because of the work that he has done. That perfect work at Calvary's cross. But think of us being joint heirs with Christ. The fullness of blessings that we're brought into. I think we do well sometimes just pause and meditate and try and go over the scriptures that indicate the eternal blessings 
that the believer is brought into. No condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. Think of being free from condemnation, free from guilt, no question of sin, but empowered by God's Spirit and sustained by the intercessory service of Jesus to be there for the glory of God in all eternity and to know the love of God to us without reserve, in all fullness. What a blessing. Joint heirs with Christ. Well, these things the gospel would bring us into. I think very often we stop a bit short. To know the forgiveness of our sins and to know that redeeming price has been paid for us is a wonderful blessing. And I wouldn't in any way um, denigrate denigrate that. That's marvellous. But it's the beginning. It's the way into blessings that God would have for us. Not entered into men's hearts the things that God has prepared. No, the world isn't capable of perceiving them. But the believer in Jesus who gets the gift of the Holy Spirit, he reveals these things to us. The scripture goes on to say that in Corinthians. It's not entered into men's heart the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But the Holy Spirit, he reveals some of them these things to us and it becomes a blessing to us in our pathway until we await that day when Jesus comes and we enter into these things in all their fullness that's what the gospel has in view it has in view that we should be there for the glory of God as well as our blessing for all eternity and it's secured for us in Christ and God sent it we didn't ask him to come God initiated these things from his side and the blessing is offered to us to embrace by faith. May it be our portion that we enjoy these things more whilst we wait for the coming of the Saviour. For his name's sake. Amen.